Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Caroline, you should tell them about the newest thing that Bloody Happy Hour is doing. A Patreon. It's a Patreon. What is that? Um, that means you're basically like a VIP member and you get you get some perks. You maybe get like merch a little earlier. You get Or exclusive merch. Exclusive merch. You could get um first dibs on signing up for a live show you get episodes with no commercials you get our video because our video is no longer available on youtube it is only on patreon and the most important to me is you get videos of our live shows but also bonus episodes each month but if you're on a Patreon, you're VIP, you're going to get more. Because I always have a lot of details I want to go to. I can law explain. I might read a book. <laughs> this is also going to be the exclusive place that Dirty Chat is going to go to. In order to hear the full content, it's going to be Patreon. Where do they go again? Patreon.com slash bloody happy hour. Hey y'all, I'm April. And I'm Caroline. And this is your bloody happy hour. Caroline, are you ready for this? This is your newest guilty pleasure. It's the bloodiest part of your week. Did we say something about it also being happy hour? Showed in. Because we about to be sipping on some murder. Bloody happy hour. Hey, y'all, this is April. And this is Caroline. Bloody happy hour time. Drinking some Topo Chico. What you got? Oh, some Cayman Jack. Cayman Jack. Can't go wrong. Margarita flavor. I have tangy lemon lime. And, you know, this is is just what we do on this podcast. We talk true crime. We have some drinks. It is happy hour. It is literally us talking about true crime. Sometimes we laugh about it. We may cry about it. We cuss. We're pretty professional. We basically are. We get all the facts right all the time. All the time. There's never any mistakes. And we're very good at geography. Yeah. So there's just a few things about us. That you have to know before you decide if you're going to stay or go. Yeah. Um, And today, 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 today. It's already December. Today it is December. Today it is December. Um, but today, I have a story inspired by one of our listeners. Shout out to Casey, <gasps> our well, new favorite some... Casey. Oh, not psychologist Casey. Sorry, psychologist Casey. We got a new favorite. This is the other Casey. I won't give her whole name in case she's wanted by the Hewitt Police because we're going to talk about them. Um, I'm just playing. She was at a store, at an antique store. Mm-hmm. I was looking at a card, mm-hmm. and 
saw a signature on the card and her true crime brain reacted because the name was Ed Graff on the card. And she sent it to Caroline. And Caroline, what was your response? Um, I was very confused. <laughs> I had never heard of this person and I had no idea what she was talking yes. about. So it was very upsetting for her because she was so excited. Yes. She's like, I have an early Christmas present. And I was I like, know. what? And she said, I was like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> But I knew who it was, Case, uh, Casey, and I am grateful, and I have it actually with me. And then I saw her. She made me feel very famous at <gasps> the sandwich shop. Was she like, Ava? Yes, I was real famous. I just hate it when nobody is around. Like, I mean, the people I there know. was one, but, like, none of my family or friends was around to see me get In fangirled like that. Yeah. And you, you were So, really and then when I tell it, Swoopy's like, Stop lying. No, it was true because <laughs> she told so me too. True. Yeah, yeah, so true. So Anyways. you were like in line. No, we need to. We, we need to live this moment right now. You're yeah. you're just standing there in yeah. line. Yeah, and she she was like, <gasps> but you've never I'm, before. You're basically my best friend, but you don't know it. I listened to Bloody Happy Hour, and I was like, oh yeah. She went and gave me the card of Ed Graff, and so I knew the story of Ed Graff, but I hadn't. Dug deep into Ed Graff. Um, and so I did that, and I'm covering it today. Thank you, Casey. So we're keeping it in Waco, and more specifically, Hewitt, Texas. I think I graduated with his son. It's not the, su it's not the son, but it's a nephew is what she said. Oh. A nephew. It's a family member. Oh, uh, who I graduated with? Yeah. Oh. I went to school with. Um, okay. So let's go to Hewitt, Texas. Let's go. Going there in an hour anyways. We are in like mid-1980s. There's a lady named Claire Bradburn. She was a teacher at Hewitt Elementary. And um, she was a divorced single mom of two beautiful blonde hair boys named Jason and Joby. One was eight years old. One was nine years old. Okay, now she was a divorced single mom, and so she also had a second job at the Richland Mall at one of the jewelry stores there. Mm -hmm. Now, she had just gone through a divorce, and she's working two jobs, and she has two kids, and she's a single mom, so she wasn't really thinking about dating. She wasn't looking for love, but when she would be at work at the jewelry store, this man would come in. Come and kind of visit and flirt with her a little bit. And he was kind of interested in her. And his name was Ed Graff. Ed Graff was very friendly. He had a great job at, back then I think it was called Community State Bank. But now we know it as Community Bank and Trust. In Wooded Acres. Waco people. And he was a very known person in the community. He was described as a very meticulous person. He was a planner. He was a very type A personality. He made pretty good money there, and he was smitten with Claire. So Claire's co-worker knew that Ed had a crush on him. So co-worker gave Ed Claire's phone number, and Claire didn't know. So he called her up, and they started to kind of talk. Um, but she wasn't really into him. She was just busy. Yeah. She was trying to make a living. She was trying to make ends meet. She just had a lot going on. She had so much going on that Claire's dad was like, Claire, just move in with 
back home. Move back home with me. And um, me and your mom, you can save money. You can quit that extra job. You can spend time with the boys. And it will be great. So although it's not ideal, Claire was like, okay, it'll allow me to save some money and pay off some things and try to get back on track. So yeah. she does. Yeah, I, I don't so blame her. I'm not mad at her. back at home, and she's packing up her stuff. Well, she goes back to her home because she's got to pack it up and move out, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a knock at the door, and it's Ed Graff. And she's taken aback because she's like, oh, how did you find my house? Yes. Why are you on my front doorstep right now? I never. She's like, right. I never told him where I lived. I never even mentioned the area or neighborhood that nice I lived to in. See you. But he was there. And Hello. he said that he like he had boxes. He was offering to help her move. So maybe she likes acts of service because she... I would have fallen for it, (laughs) let me just tell you. Because she accepted the help. And you know what? Why not? You're packing up a house. You probably need some muscles. Absolutely. Claire, nobody's blaming you. Now, but he also would do this a lot. He would show up at her job. He'd show up at her house randomly, uninvited. Um, But one day she showed up to the bank that to pay a loan, she ended up having to get a loan during the divorce to get a lawyer, and she had to make a payment on this loan, and the loan was paid in full, P-I-F, by a man named Ed Graff. What? Yes. So she was really shocked then. And she was like, I don't understand. Why would you do that? And he was like, oh, no big deal. It's, it's, you know, it's what I do what i do it was a gift and so he was what's that what's that called um, love bombing he was, maybe yeah, love bombing i guess that i don't Trying know to impress that's, her yeah that's pretty big bomb i know please I'm, I'm not deterring anybody from paying off any of my bills um but this kind of impressed her yeah so her eyebrows is raising a little bit but she still had him in the friend zone but eventually she relents and they start to talk more and they start to date and it was really like he's the smart choice like he's responsible he makes good money um he doesn't come with a lot of baggage she's the one that had the kids and it gets real serious real quick so within a year he proposes red flag I with mean, the, if you're older. With the huge diamond ring, Dr. Laura Schlesinger says you do not know a person until you know them for at least two years. I, you still don't know them. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dr. Laura. You don't ever know them because they change. But, yes, that is quick. But I I still see people who do get one. It does it work out? But I've seen it work out. Yeah. So he proposes with this huge diamond ring, but not just that. When he proposes, he had already bought and paid for the wedding dress and bought and paid for the honeymoon. So, like, he just knew she was going to say yes. Yeah. So she says yes. Wow. He picked out her dress and everything. (laughs) And they're married within a year. Red flag. So she just went with it. They got married. Her and her boys moved into his house on 505 Angel Fire Lane in Hewitt, Texas. Do you know that road? 
I knew you wouldn't. Everybody from Hewitt I asked today, they knew that road. And I was like, my co-host is not <laughs> going to know that road. Well, I mean, I guess I'm not really in Hewitt. But let me tell you, it is like two streets over from Crested Butte Drive. Do you recognize that street name? No. Matt Baker. Oh. Preacher. No. So no, you have maps. like two murderers. I right there. need to go visit their homes. Okay. So 505 Angel Fire Lane. He even adopted the boys as his home. Well, that was nice. Yeah. And I, this was just like literally the beginning of her new fairy tale chapter. Why you look at me like that? Because I, I'm just looking. Because there's literally no such thing as a fairy tale. No, there's really not. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, Cinderella. That's why I thought. And you know, basically the next day she got pregnant. Like within oh, two months. You know, like, what a blessing. I don't think they were old. What a blessing. I think they were younger or old. And now a word from our sponsors. So um, she got pregnant basically the next day, and they soon had one son together who was named Edward Graf III. Oh, that's another red flag. <laughs> Come on. And after this baby was born, she um, noticed how obsessed and in love Ed is with Ed Jr. Jr., the third. Who's the second? He had another kid? He's the second. Oh, he's the second. Okay. Second and junior is the same thing, right? Obviously. I guess. I don't know. I don't Just know. Why do you friends. have to name people the same name? <laughs> uh, your son, you name the same. I don't understand. On Friends, the brother says, we're going to name him something Junior Junior because he was junior, so he just added another junior. That's why I said that. If you were cool enough to watch Friends, you would know. I know. Okay, so... He was just in love with this new baby boy. And she starts to notice that he begins to get aggravated with her boys. Now they're just kind of in the way. Hmm. And he got really strict and really rigid with them. And just kind of wanted him. Like, just wanted him out of the way. He's just, don't go near the baby. Yeah, don't go near the baby. Don't go near your brother. Go over there. Go in the other room. Yeah. Go somewhere else. No. And so it was kind of aggravating her, but she was like, maybe it's my hormones. I just had a baby. And um, she was just didn't want to overreact. She just thought maybe it was her own hormones. Okay. Okay. So. She has, uh, what is it called after you give birth? Maybe she had some postpartum. Oh, postpartum. Yeah. Um, this was just a great time in her life. She didn't want to ruin it with maybe like bad thoughts so yeah but then they began arguing about it because it wasn't in her head it was actually happening and then another red flag happened or some would say this was a major red flag i disagree i think this is actually a green flag so she said that she comes home and ed's in the garage and he has some weenies and some rat poison 
and he's stuffing some rat poison inside the weenies. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's pissed because the neighbor's cat kept shitting in their front yard and backyard. So he's going to put the weenies out with the poison (laughs) for the cat to eat. Wait, why is the cat? How I've what is cat poop even? I thought they poop in like litter boxes. Well, it was used in their yard for a litter box. Who even how much poop is that for you to notice it? But he's real type A and OCD. So he keeps his grass and at there, a he certain has low no, height. He's and if probably a blade like PTK. Is out. He's going to have to clip it with scissors. Well, and, you, and if you don't have animals and there's shit in your yard, it pisses you off. I mean, you I want guess other people, people's animals to some, keep their animals under control. I know, but I had no idea cats even pooped. Oh, you know, like they poop. Oh, and it probably smells worse than anybody's. I think they're poop. worse than cats that because their cat pee smells no, worse than anything. I don't know because I don't have any cats near except for the ones that were outside the bushes the other night. And did you put poison I in weenies? Thought they were murdering each other, and then I know, like, when it sounds like they're murdering each other, they're like doing it. Oh, and my dog saw it out the window. Jax is like going crazy, and I was like, "Uh, those cats are doing it, Jax. Don't don't even go close to that." Oh, you should have said sick 'em, Jax. So, anyways, there's you know some people call that a red flag. I just say it's keeping the neighborhood clean. So he was putting the weenies out for this cat. He was taking care of the situation because, you know, his yard was getting taken care of, not getting taken care of. So there's also a time the summer of 86 where Jason, the little boy Jason, was in the pool and struggling in the water, like almost drowning. Yeah. And she hops up from her chair on the side. and She's yelling and Ed did come and helped Jason and got his head above water, right? But it happened again, and when she looked closer, she noticed that he was struggling because Ed was actually holding him under water. She was pissed, and when she confronted him about it, he laughed it off and just chalked it up to being fun and games. Which... I was raised around nothing but boys, boys' cousins, brothers... And they are pretty rough in the water. Like, you dunk their heads down, you jump on them, you throw them in the deep water and say, hey, you better be able to swim back. Yeah, so mainly kids to kids, though, right? Yeah. No, my dad used to do the same thing well, to us. Well, <laughs> so maybe my dad's going to burn us up in the shed in the back. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So Claire starts to wonder if she made a big mistake by, by marrying him. Just because these things keep happening. And she does know that she makes a big mistake because by that next week, she comes home from work and Ed is on the couch and he's crying. And it's early in the day and he's usually not home from work from the bank by this time. He should not be home. And she's like, what the hell are you doing here? You should be at work. Well, I mean... You know how it is to come home to a man that should be at work (laughs) and is not. It's not a good. He told her he got fired from the bank for embezzling $70,000. He had worked there for 12 years. And over the 12 years he worked there, he had embezzled $70,000. So her heart stopped. Oh, no. But he was like, don't worry about it. 
I have a solid plan to get the money to pay them back to avoid prosecution. Oh, great. A solid plan. Wow, I, I can only imagine. I actually can imagine exactly where she was in her brain at that moment. Little did she know what the actual plan was oh, about shit. to be. It was about to be killing now, somebody. Luckily, because Ed had like a great personality, he was like very, um, I mean, people just liked him. People liked him. He can talk his way into any situation. He'd got a job really, really quick at an insurance company. And because he worked for this insurance company, he approached Claire, Claire within like the first week about getting some life insurance policies out on Jason and Joby. But these life insurance policies would be like a gr the grow-up plan. So, yeah. like, kids can get these grow-up plans that if nothing happens when they're 18 or 21 or 28, you can cash them out, and then there's, like, college money or wedding money or something like that, right? So these policies for both of them totaled $154,000. So in 86... Mm. that's like $310,000 today. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like the equivalent. So she didn't think anything of it. She was just like, um, yeah, well, he works for an insurance yeah, company yeah. now. He's getting um, educated on these things, and he's taking advantage of what he knows. So should this have been a red flag is my question? Well, I mean, I, don't, I hope you're not asking me because. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a similar story? Kind of sounds like it. They should wait for Dirty Chad because it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Um, but what I think is you don't always, unless you're me, think the ultimate worse immediately. And she was taking the hints that were coming, right, noticing the red flags, but she wouldn't turn them all into the worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. So – this becomes major evidence later on. One week after he secured the life insurance policy, it's August 26, 1986. School had just started. Claire's at work at Hewitt Elementary, and her principal comes in and said, there's an emergency at your house. Fire trucks are there. It's on fire. We need to go now. He actually drove her. Oh. Volunteer fire department was there. They're fighting a fire, not on her house, but in the shed in the back of her house. And it was burned down, burned down, burned down. Okay. okay. She sees Ed and she runs to him and she says, where are the boys? Where are Jason and Joby? Wait, Ed they weren't at school. No, because it's out of, it's, it, it was pre-service. Oh, okay. In service, okay, okay, in okay. service. So she, you know, teachers go back earlier. Okay, kids. so she's at school and he's at home with the kids. Yes. So um, Ed told her, the boys are gone, quote unquote. And she goes, gone? Gone where? And his, he says, we lost both boys in the fire. Now, of course, she didn't hear anything else after that. But the fire, one of the firefighters, fire marshals, fire captains, whoever, heard him say that. And he thought that was funny because he had only told Ed 
that they found a body, but he didn't say if it was a kid. He didn't say if it was an adult. And he definitely didn't say it was two kids. So he thought that was a little mm-hmm. sus that Ed is automatically saying that both boys were in the fire. So she t- takes off running to the shed to try to go after her boys. One of the firefighters stops her and tells her, you don't want to see them. That um, oh you want to remember God. them. How they were. How they were. Charged. So um, the fire just happened so quick. It went down like within minutes. He obviously gassed it, accelerated it, yeah. Jason and Joby, age eight and nine, both died, and their bodies would become unrecognizable. Oh, my gosh. The, they were able to save some things in the shed, including, like, there were some boys' books and some of their schoolwork in the shed. I don't want that shit. And um, the authorities, like, immediately ruled it an accident. Okay. So then the next day, Ed hired some workers to come tear down what was left of the debris, take everything away, and take it to the local dump. Waste any time. So all evidence is gone. But to me, so I was like, what? Wait, why did the fire department even let him do that? But they had already ruled it an accident. So I guess they're not going to keep in it. So... Edit said, you know, the boys did like to play with matches, so they probably went to sneak and play in the matches and caught it on fire, and they couldn't get out because the shed was locked. Keep that back okay, there. Okay, so how are they getting in if it's locked? Yeah. Or they lock themselves in? Okay. So the day after the fire, he took the fire ho- water hose and watered down all the burned grass that was in the back. So he mowed over it and watered it down. Now, he said that he didn't want Claire to see the burnt grass and, like, you know, make her upset. Yeah. But could he be destroying the Uh, evidence? Pretty sure he's destroying evidence. evidence. (laughs) I don't know, because I didn't tell you that this is going to be a guilty or innocent story. Like... At the end, I'm going to have to ask you, is it guilty or innocent? Because Waco was kind of divided at the time. Or a lot of people were divided at the time. And you'll see see why. Well, I can see why if he was a well-known banker. But he got fired for his embezzlement. Mm -hmm. So then that should leave a little bit of question in people's heads. Mm Mm-hmm. So... They immediately planned the funeral, which I just think this is just horrible because you can't even accept the fact that your boys are gone. So now you got to plan their funeral. And, you know, Ed has a great idea, Caroline. I bet he does. He has a great idea. Why, Claire, why don't we just buy one casket and put them in there together? Just stack them on top of each other. Well, first of all, are there even bodies or there's is bodies. it ash? There's, there's bodies. bodies. Yeah, yeah. And because so the fire didn't even go long. It was like a uh, flash fire. Is it the flash fire where just basically you have like seven seconds 
and like everything's on fire, but it was put out very quickly too. It was just, so it's not like they were, they were charred, but they weren't ash. Oh, I so see. they were charred. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, so, um, oh, so yeah, yeah. He's going to, I mean, might as well save some money. Yeah. That's what I mean. Who cares? Why not? You Why know what? We they were money? they were basically the same person. They're yeah. not even two different people. They're not. They should just be buried in one spot. They're brothers. They came out of the same mom. Why not go out in the same casket? Yeah. And she, Claire flipped out as she should have. As she and, should have. Okay, you know what? I'm not even saying it's a horrible idea, but it shouldn't come from him. No. Mm-mm. It shouldn't have come from him. Um. So. And not to save money because they were so close and maybe you wanted them together. I don't I don't know. I don't know. So he was really being cheap. Claire knew it, so she flipped out and said, Hell no, they're both getting their both their caskets. At the repast That's why we bought the life insurance policies. <laughs> yeah. Which he cashed in damn near the next day. So after the funeral, during the repast, so like the part that people, where you eat afterwards, mm-hmm. he grabs Claire. I mean, this is perfect timing. Oh, my god! He grabs, grabs Claire and tells her, you know, I think this is just going to bring us closer together. And kisses her. Her forehead? I think it's her forehead. But, sir. <laughs> timing is horrible. <laughs> but Can you how wait? are the murders... Uh, how are my kids dying going to bring me closer to anybody at all? Anything. I'm even mad at Jesus right now. It's stupid. Oh, my gosh. A friend of the family member approached him, the funeral, gave him a big hug. This family member was sobbing because it's obviously sad. Uh, yes. And said, I'm so sorry for your loss. And his no emotion response was, well, you know, stuff happens. Oh, my gosh, Matt Baker. <laughs> so, of course, Claire was already doubting. Oh, she's uh, she knows. And she, knows. she has even more suspicion, especially after what he says at the funeral, after what her family member friend told her. That he said, so she leaves him and goes to stay with her brother. Bye. But she had to leave baby Ed the third with him. He didn't even like the baby, I thought. No. He didn't like the kids. He, he didn't like the kids. He, he was obsessed the with the baby. He wanted the kids out of the way. So people kind of condemned her for this at first, but she later said she knew how much he loved this kid and he was not going to hurt his kid, he she knew that he probably burned up her kids so that it will only be them three. Mm-hmm. That's what he ultimately wanted. And that he was not going to let her take Ed Jr. Jr. away from him. <laughs> okay. So she knew he was guilty, and she knew that he she would eventually get him back. Other family members and friends, people in the community are also starting to question Ed's behavior because not only did those policies get cashed out quickly, 
They were spent? Well, they were also now finding out that he embezzled all that money. Mm-hmm. So here's how it was. He embezzled the money. He got fired. He got a new job. He got life insurance policy one week later. Two weeks later, he got the cash in that life insurance policy. And then all of a sudden, his embezzling debt is taken care of. And he does not get prosecuted for the embezzling debt. But not only that, you know, school's about to start. And what do families usually do for their kids before school starts? Uh, Back to school shopping? Back to school shopping. And she starts to remember that he put up a fight to go back to school shopping. And she was like, no, sir. We are going back to school shopping. They're going to get school clothes. So he relents and he goes and he goes, they go get school clothes, but he doesn't let her hang them up in her, their closet and put them in their drawers. Keeps them in a bag with the receipt in his closet. And right after they die, he goes to the store and returns them. Oh my gosh. How many? What? So in her mind, she's like, he knew that they weren't going to wear them. Oh, no. I was thinking he wanted the money. He did want the money. Yeah, but yeah. He wanted the money. So that's why he kept them in the closet because yeah. he knew they, he wasn't gonna, they weren't going to wear them. So he bought them anyways, but just kept them so that he could return them back. After he killed them, because he knew he was. Oh, my gosh. So he wanted his money back. Also, again, he's very regimented and very meticulous and very scheduled. So they would go grocery shopping, and the boys had their favorite cereal. And they would have to pick up their some of their prescriptions, like Domitab and allergy medicine and stuff. Well, he refused to buy their cereal. And refused to spend the money on their prescriptions this last shopping trip a week before the fire. So Claire was like, it's because he knew they weren't going to be there to eat the cereal. And he didn't want to waste the money. He didn't want to waste the money. He knew they weren't going to be there to take the medicine. And he didn't want to waste the money. So she's like, you know what? I'm going to get a lawyer because I know what he did. So she hires, she goes and talks to the district attorney at that time. Name was Vic Fazell. Oh, oh Vicky Pooh. Yeah. We've talked about him before. David Wayne Spence. Um, I think Kenneth McDuff. He's the one that was on the Netflix documentary of the confession killer. Mm-hmm. She goes in there, she tells him everything. Vic says he had, like, a list of, like, 20 things that basically convinced him that he had a murder case on his hand. But of all those things that he had, they were all circumstantial. Mm -hmm. You can't go to court with receipts. Or you can, but if there's no real evidence back in that, it's just circumstantial. You don't want to bring it to trial if you don't think you have at least a chance. Yeah. Yeah. So... What do you think they have to do to maybe get uh, some they real have to evidence? Kind of court, for, set them up, get a wiretapped or something. I would think some real Seems evidence, like a bump. Well, they didn't Charlie Edison case or exhume the bodies. Oh, what can that tell if you died from like smoke or something? Like, 
and have an autopsy. So they ruled it accidental, so there's no autopsy. They just got buried. Mm -hmm. So they had the bodies exhumed, and they had an autopsy. And also, he mm. finds out that that fire, one of the fire chief guys took a bunch of photos of the crime scene. So maybe he had a little, I don't know, red flag of his own and thought maybe we may need these photos later on. So he took extensive photos of the shed, of the fire, everything in the fire, around the fire. So Vic got all those photos, and he got the autopsy. And the autopsy revealed that they had smoke in their lungs, smoke and soot in their lungs, so they were alive at the time of the fire. Mm -hmm. But the autopsy also revealed that their bodies were lying down on the ground as if they were unconscious at the time of the fire. And remember, the fire is only like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, super it's short. It's like so quick. There is no evidence that they had tried to escape or shield themselves from the fire, and they were on the ground and kind of separated. And so back then, they thought two people who love each other that close in a fire, you will find their bodies probably like dead together. Like yeah. they would die like together in a corner. Uh, yeah, huddling. Something yeah, yeah, yeah. Behind something. No. So that led them to believe that they were knocked out before, drugged to the, sh taken to the shed. And there was also evidence that the shed was locked, but there was only one lock, and the lock was on the outside of the shed. So whoever took them to the shed locked it from the outside. So he drugged him. They fell asleep. He t took him out there one by one, laid him there. He knocked. The they think he knocked him, them, uh, hit, oh, knocked like, them unconscious. Knocked him unco like yeah. hit him unconscious. Hit him or drugged him or Either something. One, yeah. But but placed them there in order. Because they didn't say anything about any <coughs> trauma, but maybe mm. they couldn't tell that. So that he was that they they just said that he they were knocked out, then taken to the shed and then locked in the shed from the outside. So that, my dear, was evidence enough to have Ed Graff finally arrested 10 months after the trial. Okay. I mean, after the fire. Yep. So they get to go to trial. So Vic Fazell now feels confident. Um, uh, so, you know, there's two sides. The defense... At the trial, the defense says that the boys like to play with matches and that they would sneak into the shed and play with matches and that they probably accidentally caught the shed on fire okay. and couldn't get Let out. Let me see the matches. And then um, they had some of Joshua and Joby's neighborhood friends testify and some of them said that, yeah, we saw the shed before. We saw him in the shed before. Yeah, we might have saw him play with matches one time. And um, then the prosecution brought in some arson experts that looked extensively at the photos and the science that they used back then. From those photos, they could determine that there was accelerant on the floor and inside the shed 
and that the fire was started intentionally. And that the fact that the boys were laying on their back, that they would have been unconscious, and that the door was latched from the outside. So it was intentional, somebody else did it, and that somebody else Just was Just a Ed. few clues that the police department or fire department didn't yeah. catch on to. Yeah. Hewitt Volunteer Fire Department and Hewitt PDE. They just kind of missed out on it. Yep. Maybe they're still working on Matt Baker's wives. They, yeah. Not they, they got distracted by one of the, I don't know which one. Yeah. They, yeah, they got distracted. So they said, obviously, Ed knocked him out, drugged him, and then set him on fire to collect the insurance money to pay off his debts and just to have the money. So... Jury got to del- go deliberate, and they deliberated for four hours. Oh, that's not a good sign. And after four hours, Ed was convicted of capital murder. Capital murder. We learned about that. And was sentenced to life. And he was sentenced to the Gatesville Alfred Hughes prison unit. So that's where oh, he I was. I was women's only. Mormons? Women. Women's. <laughs> Do they have women's and men's only? Two separate ones? I guess. Yeah, I thought, because there's... Why did I think Gatesville was women's only? Well, maybe it wasn't in 86. Mm. I don't know. There's not men down there? Mm-hmm. I know I could be Yolanda Salazar was there. I know. She's about to get on, go on parole. I want to do her story, I think. I want to do Selena's story. Well, I saw it over the break, and I was like, well, I Well, I, I looked up who was all... Who... What notable or infamous... Mm-hmm. Criminals were in the Gatesville prison because I was assuming that's where Caitlin Armstrong will be going. Oh. So I was wondering who her roommates w- roomies would be. Oh, maybe Yolanda. And Sal's, yeah, she was one, but then I read that she was coming up for parole uh, like next year or something. Oh, they are or not. Or this year. Oh, yeah. But then they're, so when I read about it, they're like, oh, we would likely, you are, it's, it is highly, highly, highly unusual for you to be paroled on your first, like, time chance to be paroled plus, plus they better not let selena no <laughs> let her out plus go, go on, let her out go <laughs> yeah they might actually vote for her to like, like let, let her what? out let's, just so. let's let her out just so we can see <laughs> how many people go and attack oh goodness so he was sentenced to life and he was in the alfred hughes so Alfred Hughes is the boy name, but I think the girls, the other one is like a girl Hughes. So maybe mm. there are two different units. So Claire, say yay. Yay. There's justice. Claire felt like she got a little bit of peace. She felt yeah. like she got some justice. She tried to pick up the pieces and heal. And um, I read that she had moved to Carrollton, Texas, which for you non-Texas people, that's near Dallas. And she was raising Edward Junior, junior. <laughs> so the end, right? The end. Done. Great story. Well, it can't be because no. there was something about this card that was very significant. And if he was just a prisoner at the unit, at the unit, I don't know why it would be that exciting. <laughs> well, you know, two plus decades later. So now we're in 2014. Wow. Science changes. Yeah. Technology changes. Oh, no. And what was once an acceptable science has now been debunked. So oh, this, wait. Is that the... So, like, bite marks. 
Oh yeah, it's like bite marks. So like bite marks was once used to convict yes. Ted and David Wayne Spence. Now we're not allowed to use that. So it's the same thing with whatever science they use behind looking at these the fire. Yeah, like and identifying. Was, uh, yeah. <clears throat> so that has now been deemed wrong and unreliable. So the Innocence Project picks up <gasps> a bunch of these arson murder oh, cases. Oh, no. Damn you, Innocence Project. And one of them is a guy named Cameron Todd Willingham. He's another local guy, like right down the road in Corsicana. And I'm going to have to do him next because he was convicted for setting his home on fire and killing his kids. He was put to death and killed in 2004. But then he was deemed possibly innocent after this junk science was deemed bullshit. And I didn't deep dive into it, but I remember when I did listen to it, I thought he was the innocent one and Ed was the guilty one. Mm. But he was the one that got put to death and Ed is the one that got out, which is basically how the Excuse world me? works. Did you just oh, sorry. sorry, 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 rewind, delete, <laughs> delete, delete. <laughs> okay, so Cameron Todd Willingham got killed and might have been innocent. So Texas could have killed an innocent man once again, which people which say that about David Wayne Spence. I mean, you know, sorry. So I'm going to cover that. I'm going to try to cover that next week. So by 2014, Ed was granted a new trial. Mm. And this is Claire's worst nightmare. Mm. And the new DA is no longer Vic Fazell. It is now Abel Reyna. Oh, familiar, hey, boy. <laughs> familiar name. Yes. He was also, all you non-Waco people, is the DA when the Twin Peak murders oh happening here oh my gosh we have to do that one too yeah and he got a did not get a good did name after really all that farewell after that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so he was in charge of prosecuting ed so ed goes and gets him a lawyer well this lawyer works with innocence project a lot he's actually been a guest on our podcast walter reeves he wow. represented wow. david and kenneth and Wow. Probably Matt, all the all the bad people. <laughs> great great guy, great lawyer. So a new fire expert testifies in this trial and basically says that we only have pictures. We don't even have any like bagged evidence from the fire. The shed was gone. There's no way to tell from these pictures if it's intentional or accidental. No way. There's no science that you could use to say either one and be right, be 100% right. So that hurt. Mm. Um, after two weeks of testimony, uh, okay, so also the neighbor kids that testified in the first trial, mm -hmm. I think it was a boy named Tyler and then a girl named Terry. Fun fact, I was reading an article and I recognized the name and the name of the girl that was a neighbor of the boys that testified yeah. was a camper. West and Conley Camper. And I'm not going to say where she, where she works and where she does now, but her name is Terry. And um, 
She was friends with the little boys and used to play with the little boys. Oh, wow. Yes. So I messaged her. I was like, oh, my God, I'm doing this story. And she was like, it was it was horrible. Oh, no. Um, so Did she listen? Does she? She might now. I'm going to send it to her. So they testified, but now they're older and they had more emotion behind their testimony. Sent a note to the judge saying that they were deadlocked. Ten to two. Oh, my gosh. But the judge sent them back, which they do. They really mm-hmm. want to try to get a, a verdict out. Try your hardest to get a verdict. So the defense, so Ed and Walter Reeves, they were boop, a little scared because, one, you don't want to come back to trial in a year. Two, you don't know what the deadlock was. Was it 10 oh, guilty, yeah. two innocent, or was it vice versa? They don't. They didn't say. They didn't specify. So they start trying to make a deal. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Like a plea deal. Okay. Plea deal. And which you can do at any point in the trial. I uh-huh. find out, and mm-hmm. I didn't until that. the verdict comes back. Yes. So minutes before the jury comes back with their verdicts, they agree to a plea deal. So Ed gets up, and he decided to confess to the murders of Jason and Joby. And they sentenced him to 60 years with the intention that his 26 years that he already did would count as time served. Okay. Okay. So that's better in their mind than pleading innocent and then getting convicted Right, because then you're going to get another life sentence. Now you're just going to get to 60 years, but you've already done 26 or 27. Uh-huh. But Texas had a loophole. Ooh, Great Texas. Texas. Here we go. It's called the Mandatory Release Law, which just basically says that if you were convicted of a violent crime in between 1977 and 1987, that you can be released on good behavior after only serving a third of your sentence, Kenneth McDuff. So a week after he confessed to murdering them, he walks right out the door. Wait, what? Yep. This is to help alleviate prison overcrowding. Oh, hell. (laughs) Which I'm pretty sure that was the reason Kenneth McDuff got out. And they took away the death penalty and then... What is this? It's not a thing anymore, but it was. Well, who came up with that? Who was Texas. the president? Who was the governor? It's a, it was a Texas was it, and, loophole. And in 2014, that would have been Rick or or Hot Wheels. I was Hot Wheels. Right now, what's his name? Governor Rick, not Rick. Perry. Oh, Greg Abbott. Yes. Wait, who is Anne? Anne, somebody. I did a project on her before. And she yeah, was but the he's been, she's been dead a long time ago. But this is 2014. In 2014, there's a loophole. So that was the other day. That was 10 years ago. Oh, my gosh. That was the other day. Yeah. So this wasn't a loophole in 1977. The dates, if you're convicted of the crime in 1977 and right. 1987, you can get. The, okay. I don't know why they came up with these numbers. So... Obviously, somebody was just trying to get this guy out, and so they came up with that certain <laughs> loophole time frame. Yes. I, and 
I don't know when they got rid of it. I did listen to something, but it was soon after that. So he got to walk his ass out of jail a week later after confessing. Now that is insane. But it was so smart. Terry. Yeah. I don't know what he did. He was a governor. And I actually liked him because he's a big runner and he was better at education than. Or I thought I was younger. I probably didn't know any better. I thought it was better education than Hot Wheels. But um, so I think this is genius on the lawyer and on Ed. Well, because yeah. had they waited five more minutes, the jury was returning a guilty verdict. And then he would have got a life without the. So Without if you the possibility were convicted of by a jury during that time frame, you would have to stay. But if you pled guilty during that time frame of that during the time frame because when the murder occurred, you wouldn't before have to stay? the plea deal, he was innocent. He was saying, I'm innocent of this crime. Mm-hmm. And they needed to come back with guilty or innocent, right? So when you plea that you're innocent. Yeah. And it comes back guilty, you're going to get that maximum. But if you do a plea deal and just say, okay, I'm going to say I'm guilty, but let's make a deal for less time. Oh my gosh. So that they knew of that loophole because they could, the, the key was 60 years. They didn't want that life. If they had just said the 60 years, he's already done a third of that. <laughs> then you get to go home. So Ed was interviewed and he says, still maintains his innocence and says that I was more worried about getting out. So I was basically going to say what I wanted to say to get out. Oh, so now he says he gave a false confession. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To get out. Okay. So, um, and he actually got lucky. And Ed now lives in Kerrville, Texas. Oh, hell. <laughs> I knew he got I out, got married again, had a baby. I couldn't find where he worked. I couldn't find where he works. But he lives in Kerrville. And you know what? Isn't that where Matt baby? Well, huh? Isn't that crazy? Wow. I guess if you, if you murder somebody in Hewitt, <laughs> you're asking, go straight you gotta to go Kerrville. You got to go to Kerrville. <laughs> you're banned to Kerrville. Gosh. Wow. Um. Yeah. Walked right out. He's living a normal life. He and he has not changed his name. He's has a job, but there's still a lot of there's people out there that think he's innocent. Okay, well, so son Ed Graff Jr. Jr. Because I was like, where's he? Yeah, um, he would have been a little bit maybe the boys would have been forty five ish. He would have been f- born in eighty six, so probably your age. <gasps> Oh my gosh, right? Yeah. He, when Ed first went to jail, the first, you know, in 86, he would go with his grandma, so Ed's mom, and he would visit his dad for a couple years. When he got old enough, kind of found out what happened and investigated and thought his dad was guilty. Mm-hmm. So then he basically disowned his dad, stopped visiting him. And changed his name, and he now lives by Jacob Bradburn. And at the last hearing in 2014, 
he testified before the jury, I guess during the character phase. Mm. He got up and he just basically said, may God have mercy on your soul because no human should. He now, he went to A&M and he resides in College Station. Aww. I know. He lo- I looked up on his Facebook. He looks happy. But he wants nothing. Wow. He does not want to be associated with. Wow. And his he was Paul. zero. Oh, yeah, he was zero. Yeah. And didn't even know his brothers. But imagine like becoming a junior high or high school kid and finding out your dad killed your brothers. I need to get and all. Your mom has been I so sad. I need to get all the life. children of like serial killer, like fathers or mm-hmm. whatever, to like do a podcast with them. It's gonna be like Carrie Wa- Ralston, like BTK's oh, yeah. daughter, yeah, and then like the uh, one one of them was it the happy face or the smiley? One of those. One of them just wrote uh, a letter in prison to be to um, the Lisk. Rex Hurman. Oh. One, another serial killer. I think it was this, they call him the smiley face or happy face. I don't know which yeah. one it was. I know there is that one. I think happy I actually face. did that one. I, maybe I didn't. But there is one of the guys. That was a truck driver. I felt him, like he's, he's a truck driver. Yes, truck driver. Uh-huh. Yes. So he was the one who con- who like wrote a letter to Rex. Rex is, wrote him back. And like this whole thing. But then apparently this, uh, this other serial killer he uh, found his daughter on Instagram, like comment, like she commented on her wedding picture and said that she looked fat, like, mm. like all like shitty, just like haunting her from the prison. <laughs> oh and she's like all over, she's on TikTok, like talking about it. So I was like, man, her and Carrie Rawson, and I'm sure there's uh, this kid. Gosh, yeah. But um, I just, just thought if it was you're, weird. if you. It does not get worse if it's if your dad is BTK. I mean, that's the oh. worst of the worst. Dressing I mean, up like that, nope. taking pictures like that. <laughs> Can you imagine? Remember Ted Bundy has a kid out there somewhere? Oh, yeah. Her just identity has just been, I guess, kept secret. Well, um, if you're the, the, the child of a killer or a serial killer, we need to have you on the show. Mm-hmm. Anyways, there's a local story for you, Ed Graff. And Who knew? Yeah. I All thanks to Casey. Thanks, Casey, for the recommendation. Wait, so why did she get this card with this signature on it? Just because she recognized the name. It was just a... Oh. So, okay, so the card that we have was when he worked at the bank that he stole the money from. At the community trust, whatever, bank... And it was basically a card to their boss, I believe. It was like a Christmas card. Yeah, a Christmas card to their boss. You're a great boss. And a bunch of the employees signed it, but one of the signatures up in the corner was Ed Graff. Was this like so a we'll take a picture sale of it. item? I just, this is what I know. I don't know. I don't know if she's just that um, good. Like, did she accidentally happen upon it? Yeah. Because she just really shops that good and, like, looks at things? Or was it labeled Christmas card from Ed Graff? Well, I don't know. We should ask her. <laughs> Casey, let us know. I feel let like. Let us know. Let yeah. us know. I feel like. Because it, I thought about it, and I was like, I don't have the attention span to 
first of all, if I'm at an antique store, I don't think I'm going to open up a card and then look at all the signatures to see who and then recognize one as like. So I she might just be a critical deep thinker. I don't know. (laughs) We'll let y'all know the next episode. Yeah. Nope, I found I just found it at an antique store downtown, so I bought it. See? <laughs> She's a good shopper. What? She I don't know why. Okay, now we need to know why this antique store is selling a Did they even know? Well, why would they be selling a random card like that with signatures written she on it? She said it was a dollar. <laughs> he ain't worth much. <laughs> but like, why yeah, they would have to know that it was a thing. I would have never even recognized that as Ed Graff. He writes like a lefty. Wow. All right, y'all. We hope you enjoyed the story. And if you did, send this episode to somebody who would also enjoy it too. If you're from Waco, if you're from Hewitt's, go and drive by 505 Angel Fire. Lane, if you live there, invite us over. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have send to go send us a drive picture by. of where the shed was. And <gasps> do you have a cross there? Did you even know? You would have to know. Waco's too small. I don't know. You would have to know. I didn't know. You didn't know your. Well, no, I'm saying if you live there. Well, oh yeah, yeah. I would think a neighbor would come and say, "Did you know that?" I don't know. If but not, I, I'm about I'm, to knock on your door and tell you. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm going to go there right now. It's off of, um, yeah, it's on your way home. Go by there. Okay, y'all. We will see y'all next week. And if you're on Patreon, Dirty Chad is coming out next week, too. Don't forget to stay aware, stay alive, and always be DTF. Bye, y'all. Hey, I'm Blair. And I'm Brittany. And we're the host of By the the Cover Cover Podcast. (laughs) We cover everything from mysteries, thrillers, romance, chiclet, and even some smut. Don't forget the smut. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're so excited to get this thing going and share this with you guys. We've been talking about this for months and it's finally, finally happening. Yes. Special shout out to Rogue Media for helping us with this. For sure. For sure. (laughs) You can find us on Instagram at by the cover underscore podcast. You can also find us on Facebook and TikTok. So don't forget to give us a follow on those two also. And we are so excited to dive into some of our favorite books and share those with you. We can't wait. Hope you love it. Hi, and welcome to Bustles and Bangers with your hostess, Rachel and Christopher. I love it when you say my name. And you didn't say hi. I didn't. You you just kept going. I'm going to introduce the book. I'm <laughs> not reading it It's because I don't like reading. Girls like cowboy butts, you know, and those jeans don't hide anything. Mm. Find us on Instagram at Bustles and Bangers or on RogueMediaNetwork.com. Hey, I'm Katie. And I'm Summer. And this is Monsters in the Attic. So we thought we'd bring people up. Yeah. It's very real, and we're fortunate to have a lot of friends who have a lot of monsters, and we can't wait to share them with you. 
I love that, that we're so fortunate that we have so many friends with so many monsters. Where can people find us? Facebook, Instagram, and everywhere they listen to their favorite podcast. They can find me at my therapist office. As they should. (laughs) This has been a Rogue Media Network production.